Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I've got a co-host with me and a guest on the line. Before we get to them, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Exoskin. If you're not familiar with Exoskin, they make compression socks, they make compression shorts, they make compression underwear and compression shirts. Uh, you can use code STRENGTH20 to save 20% off Exoskin dot, off the website exoskin.us. And uh, they're veteran, veteran-owned company, so we're recording this the day after Memorial Day, so obviously a lot of veteran ties there. So always a fan of supporting veteran c- companies, and their products are great. Uh, our next guest on the podcast, we have uh, John Kelly, who is one of the only finishers, I think there's been about 15, of the Barclays Marathon. So he's got some really interesting stuff and really interesting tips for ultra-endurance, especially like multi-day stuff. So that episode is actually recorded already, but I wanted to get this episode out first before we publish that next episode. So, so look for that episode next. Um, pick up some exoskin, and let's jump into today's episode. So joining me as a co-host, I have another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Ashley Samples. Ashley, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back. Cool, and we got Ashley on because, one, she's fun to talk to, and two, because <laughs> one of the races we are talking about, uh, she just competed in uh, this past, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago now. Hilderbeck. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> so our guest today is uh, Aaliyah Emus. So Aaliyah, say hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. So I'm going to run through your bio real quick, and then we're going to jump into a little bit about her. We're going to talk about the Hildervat race that uh, both Aaliyah and Ashley were at, and then we're going to jump into talking about Frontline, uh, which Aaliyah and I were both at uh, this past weekend. Uh, so Leah is a certified personal trainer with a master's in exercise sports sciences, specializes in sports psychology, and is a small business owner of uh, the business League of Extraordinary Fitness. That's Extraordinary Fitness with an X for extraordinary. Uh, she's completed in, in a variety of sports going up through high school and then into college and then in some of her personal time, right? So things like softball, cross country, rowing, and then now kind of jumps around doing all sorts of stuff over the last couple of years, including stuff like you know, strong man, or I guess strong woman, it would be uh, figure competitions, CrossFit, obstacle course racing, triathlons, marathons, uh, ninja competitions. Got a bunch of specializations and certifications from NASM. So certified personal trainer, performance enhancement specialization, corrective exercise specialization, senior fitness specialization, women's fitness specialization. And then uh, she's been doing great this year. So in 2021, first place female at Frontline Special Forces Division, second place female at Battle of the Lions, Texas, sec- first place female. Phoenix OCR, Georgia, first place female, Phoenix OCR, Mississippi, second place female, OCR Overlord. Um, got some age group wins here. And then there's another uh, kind of a big win from the last couple of years. Uh, third place female age group, 2018 North American OCR Championships, along with a smattering of other podiums. I'm not going to read them all because we're going to be, we'd be here for, for a couple of minutes, just kind of running through results. And then I was also, you know, Gotten top three at several figure competitions in two different organizations, USBF and NGA, as well as winning her division lightweight in uh, Strongwoman back in 2013, 2015. So, Leah, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Cool. So, I'm excited to talk to you. I, again, I, I really think your background's interesting, kind of bouncing around a lot, um, mirrors some of my personal background. So, let's Let's start off there, and then we're going to jump a little more into how you're prepping and preparing for obstacle course racing. So how did, like, tell me about, like, you know, why were you bouncing between sports, and, you know, are you still doing that? And kind of give me some of the, the logic uh, of what's going on there. Well, I think I bounce around a bit because when I was growing up, 
my parents put me in a lot of different sports, not just one. And it kept me very engaged and it developed me in a very athletic way. So I could just jump in to any sport, kind of like a chameleon and be pretty good at it. It might not be the best, but be above average in it. And when I graduated college, I was trying to find sports to do because I rode in college and then I also did club softball. So when you graduate, you're like, hmm, what am I going to do with my life now that I don't have something that took up so much time? I look for different avenues to jump into. And I like anything that seems somewhat of a challenge and is physically exerting. And I won't shy away from anything. If it sounds interesting, I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Whether I've been training for it or not. And actually, when I first started doing OCR, I actually had a, <laughs> I had a broken foot. And someone that I at a gym that I was working at dropped the dumbbell on my foot and broke my foot a week before a CrossFit competition. So I couldn't compete. And then I did a figure competition right after that. I just did a whole bunch of upper body because I couldn't do my lower body. And then there was a race that qualified me for North America championship. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, my, my foot's okay. And that kind of steamrolled into maybe I should actually put more effort into this obstacle course racing stuff. And when COVID hit, a lot of the CrossFit competitions and stuff weren't happening, but some local OCR events were still taking place. So I probably would still be bouncing around a bit just because I like to stay engaged. And the different sports do different things for me. Like I've learned different things by competing in various sports, both as a trainer and an athlete, which I think helps me when I coach people. Because uh, like I said, I'm a small business owner and I work with everyday people who just want to lose weight or get stronger. And I work with some athletes and individuals who have some dis special disabilities that require a lot more creative thinking when trying to improve their coordination. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, as a, as a personal trainer, you know, I get that. I, I think as, as if I was a client working with a personal trainer, I think it would be cool, you know, having a, a trainer who has a wide range of experience in the background. Cause you, you can understand, you don't understand a lot of the nuances that are hard to really grasp unless you've done uh, that sport or something similar to that sport. So it gives you a really nice base there. Yeah, there's yeah, you... no, go ahead, Ashley. I was just going to say, and you can really introduce, you know, your clients to different things that maybe they haven't been exposed to, um, you know, different sport wise with your background, being able to kind of um, guide them into the experience of trying new fitness avenues. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because when I worked for a company, it was a big corporation and I did corporate fitness, I had a lot of individuals who I worked with on site at that facility and I made corporate teams, big <laughs> corporate teams that were 50 plus people who 
started participating in events that they never thought they actually would do. For instance, it was one was we've done the Tough Mudder for two years in a row and massive uh, corporate team. And then some other ones were a CrossFit competition and a CrossFit like competition. And it's fantastic seeing their improvement as well as seeing how they are processing their accomplishments. And that's so rewarding for me to see. Gotcha. So are you, are you in OCR for good now or, or are we still, we still dipping our toe in some other uh, fitness competitions as they come up? Um, I'm probably going to be dipping my toes into other things as well, just because I like it. And yeah. I think, that's what makes me so good at the sports that I do. My training is so different, which allows me to jump into any sport. So some of the, like these, I haven't done competitions in, in these, but I've thought about it is there's a, a lira hoop or not. And then pole dancing. Cause those are very athletic. And they require a lot of upper body and core strength. And how you have to move your body in space. And then you come back to an OCR race when you go to those very technical rigs. It helps you finagle through it that other people might not have the body awareness to handle and they feel very uncoordinated. And that's just like one of the things that could translate to it and that I dip my toe in just for fun because I like it. And Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, makes makes total sense. Now, you know, one of the things we like to do on our podcast is ask people to pull in lessons learned from other sports. Now you have, again, I, as we were just talking about, you have a pretty diverse background. So is there any... I don't know if you want to do, um, you know, either by sport or kind of like an overarching theme. Some of the stuff you learn just from competing in all these uh, different events and uh, categories that you can think our listeners who are primarily all obstacle course racers uh, could pull into apply to their training or racing. I would say I'd probably do it a little. I'll take the main sports that I did or that I feel had a big impact. Rowing. Rowing is a very painful sport. <laughs> um, and I, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm laughing and I'm smiling because I, I like that environment and I thrive in that environment. And so rowing, it's, it's not like, oh, let me go for a casual run. Or you have to push so hard during like a 2K. A 2K is probably the one most like it's so painful because <laughs> you get to that level and then when you're rowing, it's almost like a sprint the entire time. And at the very end, you have to even go a little bit more. If you think about like those top notch marathon runners who are running, you know, five, whatever minute miles, and then they can sustain that for so long. And at the very end, they just, if they can, they got to, pick it up just a little bit more. And so rowing taught me to endure through much discomfort. 
And then the figure competitions that I've done, when you do that type of competition, it's patience. You do not see what you look like on stage until show day. And you have to trust the process. So when you are training, especially if you're beginning, or even if you're advanced, the results don't happen right away. And just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not still happening. For the CrossFit, I love CrossFit. It's very intense. It's short. It's bursts of high-intense energy. And that one, that one probably has taught me a lot in strength and that probably breathing through the discomfort is what will get you through the discomfort. It is finding a way to settle into that feeling and then persevering through it. Gotcha. Does that wrap them up or do you have any more? Uh, well, I'll just, I, I was, I could add the strongman in there, but that's pretty much like I pick things up and put things down. <laughs> and, <laughs> so they're odd objects. So if I have to carry something, it, uh, whether it's like a weird log or carries, those things have just taught me how to use my body as a tool, as opposed to just thinking it can only do this in one specific way. Gotcha, gotcha. And I imagine some of the, uh, obviously you're in a lightweight division, but still some of the weights you're moving, it it makes the, I would say the obstacles probably seem lighter. Or like the weight, the weight you have to carry at obstacles seems lighter if you've lifted heavier stuff in practice and in other competitions. So. Oh, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> sometimes I think the things that we have to lift, especially when they separate what the men and the women do, is silly. Um that's just my opinion, but sometimes they <laughs> sometimes they're excessively light because they don't think. Well, who knows what they think? But they're excessively light, or to me, they feel light. That doesn't mean other people won't struggle with them. And I know that there's the at the Spartan race in Florida, Jacksonville earlier this year. A lot of the men actually struggled with the tire and opted to burpee out instead of flip it. And they, what I heard was it was how it was positioned on the ground. Like the women's were, was in the dirt so they could get their hands under it. Whereas the men was in a slightly different grounding and it, it was hard for them to get underneath the tire. Do yeah. I believe that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just can't figure out how to maneuver the tire, you know? Mm. Well, I, I'm sure you really loved the bucket carry then at Hildervat because <laughs> I know, like, I'm, I'm super tiny. Like, lifting heavy is not my thing. A, I don't like it. And B, I'm just small to begin with. But I, I literally laughed when I picked up the women's bucket. Um, for the first time at Hildervat. And I was like, this cannot weigh more than like three pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a cloud. It did. It was really funny. It might as well have been empty. I got a good, I got a good <laughs> laugh out of that. 
Yeah, I, I will agree with you on, on that bucket carry. That was very light, especially in contrast to the sandbag. Uh, if it got caught, if the carabiner got caught, then it fell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pick the lane very strategically for the hoist. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. So I'm looking at your results. And again, you, you it seems like, like you said, you were, we were kind of bouncing off all over the place for a while. And then in 2019 and then 2021 i mean it's just like these ton of like great ocr results and podium finishes at small events and you know top 10 finishes at, at bigger events um you know what do you have on your i don't know if we want to call it a bucket list or like you know in the next year or so you know events that you like oh i definitely want to compete at this and uh you know test myself in this category etc well i must say one of my favorite races is Savage, and I am thoroughly enjoying what they're doing with the rig now, even though there's a bit of debate about women completing it, percentage rates of completing it, and the fact that the rigs are super challenging, or at least they have one that is very challenging. And so I want to continue to compete in that one. Uh, I actually am going to their North Carolina race, which I'm super stoked about. Same. <laughs> oh, yay. Good. Because <laughs> I have missed a couple of their races due to other races and overlapping time frames. So I'm like so ready. And I wish I was able to go to their Ohio race that everyone was like, nobody can complete this rig. And three <laughs> women did. And uh um, so outside that, I'm looking forward to Worlds. The Battle Lines race, their grip one was uh, pretty pretty fun. Anything with grip is probably my favorite. I'm just a, a rig a rig whore. I love them. <laughs> the more the merrier, the harder the better. And so, um, what else do I have? Uh, so Worlds, and I. At some point, as my speed gets better, depending on dipping my toes in other things, I do want to do the worlds at the pro level. I just don't feel like I'm fast enough yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you considered doing Indian Mud Run? Oh, yes. I do. I've heard good things about it. It was on my list of races this year, but due to things going on in my personal life, I am not doing it. However, that doesn't mean I might have an impulsive <laughs> moment where I just, hey, I'm gonna do this race this week. And where, are you, it, where are you based out of? Sorry. I'm in PA, in Philadelphia. Okay, right on. Ashley, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that India Mud Run would be very good for your um, preferred race style. I mean, they have so many um, upper body intense obstacles and uh, they they come out with surprises and stuff. And I mean, a lot of times what you see at India Mud Run is kind of a preview of what you can expect to see at Worlds, at least from what I've seen in the past. Mm, that's good to know. 
Yeah, Hubie is just he just loads up the course with obstacles, just just packs it. So I I actually haven't been, but I'm going in June this year for the first time. Uh, despite the fact that like I'll be in the middle of moving houses, I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll go for it. My wife's like, oh good, let's go to a race while moving. I was like, yeah, so <laughs> awesome. I didn't know you were going. Good. Yeah, I'll yeah. be there too. Cool. Should be a little you reunion. You might have convinced me. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> So what do you, I'm what sure do you consider, I'll regret that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you consider your specialty distance or like what's your favorite distance? Um, my specialty distance is like anything not long. See, <laughs> um, <laughs> so you got uh, to define long though because when someone says long to me, I'm like, we're, ta- we're like starting at like six plus hours and then everything else is short. <laughs> no, like six plus miles is long. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it depends on the race because if I do an obstacle race that is 15 miles, but has more running between obstacles and the obstacles are not, not that they need to be equidistant, but if they are huge gaps of running, compared to obstacle dispersion, that is where I probably would do well, but not as good as if they were more scattered throughout. So that, so it depends on the race, but I'd probably say the races that are under nine miles, like the, probably the 3K in the world to the, maybe the 15K, because I, Um, my first year I got third in the 15 K and then the second year I got first in the three K at worlds. So from a, from my age group though, not pro. Um, so I think it really depends on the race. So for Hildervat, that one was not long, but the map was not as did not match what the course actually looked like. Not in a bad way, just so there was, and Ashley, Ashley likes running. So she was probably like, oh, that run was so short. But so the run between the road <laughs> climb to the um, crawl, and then from the bucket carry back, it wasn't long, but because that race was shorter, that length of a run was more of a hindrance to me in that shorter race, where if, maybe put like another obstacle in the middle and I would have done a little bit better. And I'm not saying make the races like for me, but so that's why <laughs> I think the distance, the distance depends on the race. Gotcha. I did an ultra like for shits and giggles last year. Like, nah, I'm just gonna, I, I raced the day before it was their six mile race and I'm getting first. And I was like, Oh, why not? Let's do the, this eight hour ultra. And then I ended up winning that one. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with you? This is not what you, but it was because of the type of obstacles that they had in it and how they were set up. And also sometimes it's who goes. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we did find out at Hildervat, I mean, it was on the beach. So, you know, if running was your strength, 
it was not necessarily going to be your strength at that race because it was all sand. So, you know, you can be a fast runner, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a strong runner um, when you're put on that kind of terrain. Correct. Very true. Now, I want to jump into Hildervat. Before, though, uh, one more question about your personal training. So take me through like a week in your training. You know, like how are you balancing, you know, your uh, obstacle slash strength training versus your uh, speed slash endurance training and kind of like, you know, kind of give me kind of like a rundown of what you do in an average week, you know, assuming you're not racing on, on that Saturday. Okay. If I'm, so part of my training, so it shifts once it turns into race season. So my end of fall winter looks a little bit different than my spring training. I've recently added more running in. So I've been, I run in the mornings and they're more, their heart rate runs for the most part with some compromised running involved. And then in the afternoons, I'm doing a bit of strength with some technique stuff and a lot of the grip stuff. So for people who are like, oh, I need to get that, that obstacle and practice. That's not true. That's if anyone tells you that that's bullshit. Um, it's how you're training your grip with what you have. You don't need to go buy a whole bunch of things. Sure. Having things helps. Yes. But you can get creative at home because the obstacles get creative and doing things with what you have around the house. But for instance, before like I did the, my first barn ever was after I graduated college just for like, Hey, I haven't done anything. Let me do something. And I would go to my grad school gym. They had nothing that I could train on. So I would just jump to the top of the squat rack and I would shimmy around the perimeter of it with my fingers. Yes. Thank you. I, I recommend that in my book uh, um, because of uh, specifically for training for stairway to heaven, because it has like that, that false grip, like thumbless grip. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. So no. perfect. perfect. I, I, I 100% approve. Keep going. <laughs> so, so you get creative that way in your house. If you have door frames, practice on door frames, practice on the edge of the door. And I have a thing set up in my house. It's literally in the backyard. It's made up of like different lids, <laughs> like protein bottle lids that are really big, tennis balls the lacrosse balls, my doggies, um, Gatorade bottle tops, and it's a wall traverse, but it's practicing different holds with just my fingers or take bottles of water and fill them up and carry them by the upside, by the bottom. And that hold with the water in it will get very more taxing than walking around carrying a dumbbell because you can wrap your entire fingers around it. So my training has a little bit of that, a fair bit of strength training because I also love Olympic lifting and I like strength work. So I not only do I train for these, but I also need to keep myself happy with things that I like to do, which is probably why at a moment's notice, I might just jump into any competition that I want to, but I feel like my training prepares me for that. So that way I can handle it and do fairly well. 
So run in the mornings and then lift and a conditioner. Conditioner is it could it could have running in it, but it might have it might resemble something like a CrossFit Metcon. Not all the time, but it, it varies. It could be more technically based with grip stuff. It could be more uh, strongman oriented with tires. So that's pretty much how my week goes. And I have certain lifts that I do on Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday is just running. Thursday is typically a active recovery day. Then I have Friday. Saturday is more intense and has usually a longer run. And Sunday is a full rest day, but I'll probably walk and try to stretch. And that's pretty much what my week would look like in addition to adding things here and there. Like, ah. You know, it's raining. Let me go and play on the pull-up bar because, you know, why not? I'm going to have to train in the rain. Or I'm going to do an extra core workout today. So you scatter those things in that are extra but will enhance and support your training as well as help keep you at a level you can sustain. Like a lot of people, I feel like either do too much. Like I've met people who are like, I'm going to run every day and I'm going to increase my mileage over the course. And I'm like, I would highly recommend you don't do that because you're just going to tax yourself out. You're not doing things to support the muscles that you're recruiting to run. And a lot of people think if you do the same thing, Every day, you're going to get faster or better. And the body doesn't really work like that. Sure, with some things, it's, it's really confidence and muscle memory and neuro connections that are actually getting better, especially if you're newer. Right. That will develop. But day in, day out, if you do the exact same thing, if I do 200 sit-ups every day, that's not really going to give me a stronger core or a six pack, or that's just a repetitive motion, not something that will improve you. Gotcha. Yep. Good advice. Got a stress system, a lot for recovery and vary your training. Uh, you also mentioned something about using different grips that I, I know I've, I've been at hotel gyms uh, on work trips and like not had access to my normal equipment. I actually have used the the bottom of the dumbbell. So like I'm gripping it by the fat, like the actual weight of the dumbbell yeah. as yep. like a, as like a thick bar or a, you know, an awkward hold. And then like doing like little laps around the little hotel gym, like holding on <laughs> to these like 15 pound uh, dumbbells by the ends. So no, that's a great, that's, that's, that's a great one. I, I have that. I have to do that too. And then it, the heavier, the dumbbell, the wider that the head of the dumbbell gets right. like, oh my God. Yeah. Or cinder blocks. They're, you can get them at any, pretty much a Home Depot, a Lowe's, you know, and that they can be grip, they can be strength, they can be technical. Depends on what you do and how creative you want to get. Gotcha. And let's start jumping into Hildervat. So uh, let's start off with Ashley. Give me a quick rundown of the event. And I know there was like several different divisions and uh, kind of categories or whatever. Um, yes. So 
they had, um, which was different, something we haven't seen really, I mean, not quite in this way. They had um, a pro wave, which was invite only. And it was, I, I saw it referred to as a bracket style, but not really. It was more like a elimination style um, competition where they started, I believe, with eight. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was eight or six, eight uh, racers to start. And then each round that they would run it, they would drop the lowest two out. And then they ran two rounds the first day. And then the finals was on Sunday. Um, so it was actually a three lap course. And so the pros ran the three lap course as well as the um, elite and open racers. So the pros had like a so big the, money. Just to, to clarify, pros the invitational one, correct? Yes. And then elite, was, elite is anyone or you know anyone can sign up, but it's competitive correct. prize money. Yes, that's okay. correct. So the pros had like a big big pot. I think their their grand prize was like five thousand dollars, um, whereas the elite heat. Uh, first place was $500. Um, and and like you said, anybody could register for elite, you know, if you wanted to run competitively. And then they had open waves throughout the day also. Um, and they also had a relay format um, as well. Gotcha. So there, there was multiple kind of events going on all at one time. And it was... Um, you know, all, all on the same course. The only thing that was different between like the pros and the elites um, was that the pros did not have to do the ax throw. So think kind of like of a Spartan spear throw. Um, but it was like axes that you threw at, I guess I'll call them shields for lack of a better word. It was kind of like a hanging dinner plate made of metal. Um, and you would throw your axe and try to hit that. And then they had like a small penalty. If you um, made your axe, you could basically continue on. Um, but if you missed, you had to do a series of like four different um, walls. So that was interesting. And uh, Aaliyah, give me some of your uh, general impressions of running the event. I like the event. Uh, the only thing I, I wish I did the relay because the relay, they cut out the, they cut out the extra run and the bucket carry and the crawl. And I was like, oh man, I wish I, I wish I knew they were shortening the course to do the relay because it looked a, like a lot of fun. And it was pretty much almost like the hundred meters of OCR worlds that they debuted in 2019. But it was longer than 100 meters, though. And I I really liked the rigs that they had. The obstacles were pretty close together in the beginning. And, man, you had to – it was everyone for themselves. I mean, it usually is at the start when, at go. But this was – you had a wall to get over, and you have this max – exodus from the start line to get over the wall hopefully not kick the person behind you or in front of you if there was someone in front of you to go immediately into this uh 
almost like an A-frame cargo net. I know some people who did the flip over and they kicked somebody and it was like, ah, someone jumped down and like landed on someone. So pretty much that beginning part was a sprint to get to the obstacles as fast as possible and to be the first person so you could spread yourself out from the start. And, or at least that's, that was my mentality when I started. And when I was watching the mango, I was like, oh, my God, people are, it's a stampede. People are going to get trampled. But it was very exciting because I felt like it actually pushed people to go faster on the obstacles. Uh, however, I think if you were a less proficient athlete, it held other ones up who got stuck behind people. Gotcha. How many, what was the total distance of the race um, and number of obstacles ish? Um, per lap. Uh, so I think the total race was just over three miles. Uh, someone ran it the one day, just the up and back, and it was like three and a quarter almost, but it was supposed to be a 5K and it was just over. And there was one, two, three, four obstacles pretty much right in the beginning then you ran did a crawl ran did the carry ran all the way back a rig a hoist the throw and if you were repeating a lap you went over a cargo net but at the end instead of the cargo net you went over to the last rig so i think there were 10 obstacles per lap nice so three miles yeah, that sounds right so you, you did three rigs plus a final rig, so total? Three rigs per lap. lap. So the main oh, there damn. was a there was a a rig in the beginning, a rope climb, and another rig. There were supposed to be four per lap and then a final one. But they had changed it to only uh two. So there are only two main rigs. If you eliminate the rope climb, because it's not really a rig, but that's a grip one. Yeah. So two per lap, and then a final one that you only did on your last lap. Cool. When originally, I believe the map had three or four rigs per lap. Yeah, sounds like a great event. So, Ashley, give me a little bit about just kind of like the overall atmosphere of uh, having a race at the beach and uh, how the kind of like the festival area was. Yeah, it was really cool. So most of the festival area was set up kind of more towards like the parking lot, not like right on the beach. Um, but of course, like the finish line and like the announcer and timing and those kind of things were on the beach. Um, but the they had a really good setup. I mean, it was it was really easy to access parking. Um, it was great to watch because you could see basically the entire course with with the exception of like the bucket carry which no one really needs to see anyway um <laughs> from you know one stationary point so if you had family who wanted to come watch a race that would be a great one to bring them to gotcha cool and then uh Aaliyah, tell me about the like any any other kind of standard obstacles or what like kind of that final rig was like the final rig was so that's I think Aaron from OCR Overload. It's his pride and joy. 
it was PVC on PVC. <laughs> so it, it rolled a lot. Mm. But the best part of it, because I, I went out to the beach Friday just to like get a lay of the land. And since you're right off the water, there's that nice breeze that blows through. And all you can see when you look at the rig is them blowing in the wind like crazy. And I was like, that's, that's, that's spicy. That's an extra element that people probably are not expecting because it required, if it was windy or the wind was blowing when you were on it, it just required more precision mm -hmm. as you went through and hand-eye coordination for sure. Yeah, because they were like hand-sized spinner handles yeah. is the best way. I know she said PVC on PVC, but kind of like, I don't even know how else to describe it, but like a hand handlebar size, you know? Like um, a cable. Like if you're going to do a cable pull, like just the just attachment your, your fist could fit on it hmm. interesting right. rings like ring monkey bars literally go from swing to one ring to one ring to one ring it was like that but a probably maybe six inches long pvc on a fabric attachment to a carabiner okay I think I got it. And it was really interesting to watch the pros race because they raced um, before the elite wave. And um, there was like a situation where one of the pros would have finished, you know, and not been, um, you know, would have made the cutoff as one of the top to continue. Um, but she ended up falling on the rig and, I noticed, like, for example, Lindsay, when she went into the final rig, she actually did, like, a chicken wing technique over the spinners, mm. um, basically to make sure she secured her spot because, you know, a lot of the racers were so close that just one slip off that final rig um, could cost you the race. So um, that was really interesting to watch. And I ended up doing the chicken wing technique um, to make sure I secured my place. Um, at the finish as well, um, especially just after watching her do it successfully, I was like, eh, that was probably a good idea just in case. Like, I've lost too many podium spots on a final obstacle to, you know, I, I've learned to put aside my pride and do it uh, the most cautious way as opposed to, you know, doing it the best way. <laughs> Gotcha, yeah. So cool. there is another Hildervat coming up actually um, this month on the 19th um, here in Florida again, but this one's in St. Cloud, which I'm happy because it's like less than an hour from me. So it's even closer than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is, I mean, that's that's hometown race. I mean, with less than an hour is like, I mean, that's that's super close for an OCR. Yeah, Ali that's great. Aliyah, are you going on that one? Um, yes. 
<laughs> I am. I knew the answer already. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, does she not know the answer? Because I know the answer. <laughs> I, I do know the answer, but I wasn't sure if you were going to make an announcement. So I was like, ooh, it's a mystery. <laughs> well, let's hear yeah. an announcement. I want to hear an announcement. Let's do it. Uh. Do you, uh, Ashley? Do you want to do the announcement? Do you want me to do the announcement? Um, I mean, we'll just we'll just co-do the announcement. Okay, make it very exciting. Yes. So <laughs> we are going to do the team race. Yeah. Together. Nice. Joining mm-hmm. forces. Team. <laughs> is it just two? Um, just two? Two person re- relay? Or is there a you have a third? It's a it's four two. person relay. A four person. Who's the third yeah. and fourth wheel? Uh, Noel Medina from here in Florida. Okay. Um, he is one of our men um, who is going to be on the team as well. And then and the other one is Chris Hoover. Correct. Who we also saw at Battle of the Lions Dallas. Oh, nice. He, yeah. he mm-hmm. was um, the super ripped guy who basically beasted everybody through that first carry <laughs> by like 200 yards <laughs> oh nice yeah there's an epic picture of that i'll have to check i don't i, I wasn't i don't remember it i'll have to i'll have to check it out well you probably didn't get to see it from like the starting line perspective like we did oh yeah that's oh, yeah, true women went after the men so it was just like oh he's running by himself Oh, now there's a, a field of men behind him. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. So we're going to be representing OCR Overload, um, which is a race here in Florida who has a race in July. Um, the the man who owns OCR Overload um, works with Hildervat as well. They share some obstacles. He builds for them. Um, so there's a connection there as well. That's cool. I I really like to see like the local brands working together. I mean, it doesn't. It just makes so much sense for um, you know, especially if you're a brand that puts on like one or two events a year to share, you know, marketing resources and putting booths at other people's events and sharing ops. Like it just it just makes sense to me. I don't know, but yeah, that's what made Hillervet interesting is that it joined forces with these other races. So I think it was Swamp Battle OCR. Uh, OCR Overload, Hildervat, and I know Heidi Williams from her gym, they were bringing stuff up as well. And you have all these race directors trying to collaborate and put on a fantastic event and you have the different perspectives and they each probably like different things. So when you come to an event like that, you're going to get a solid mixture of obstacles, which make it very exciting. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's what I liked about OCR Overload is that they had different parts of the race designated to different races. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you if if I wanted to know what Hildervat was like, I could run OCR Overload. And there is a section that was the Hildervat section, which is where, you know, I had seen obstacles that we got to see before, if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know last time Ashley was on the podcast, I can't remember what episode that was. Uh, we dove a little bit deeper into OCR overload. So if anyone wants to go back that hasn't listened to that one, they can 
scroll back a couple episodes and uh, get the full rundown. Now, speaking of uh, brands working together, in the Midwest, we actually have some brands that work pretty well together, um, including one of them is Frontline OCR, and uh, brands like Abominable Snow Race and Highlander Assault, um, kind of up near the all kind of near the Chicago area, um, have been working together. And me and Aaliyah went to Frontline OCR. Uh, it's kind of a little bit south of Racine, a little south of Chicago uh, this past weekend. Um, so, Aaliyah, me, me and you actually ran in two different categories. So tell me about what's unique about uh, the Special Forces, your category. So the category I ran in, as you said, was Special Forces. So you ran with a 20-pound weighted vest. Instead of getting a band that you gave up for completion, it was your vest. You wore your vest, and if you ever came to an obstacle that you could not complete, you could stay there and try it as many times as you wanted. But if you didn't complete it and you wanted to move on, you had to turn in your vest, which was I, – I know some people – Oh, like giving up your band and obstacle just feels heart wrenching. So giving up the vest is even more. It's not just like a band you're wearing. It's you're taking off your badge of honor <laughs> for, for the race because you're finishing the race without the vest with what you started. And I know it just hard mentally to process that. So that was that race um, or that division which was different than yours, which was the endurance one, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So um, my, I ran the endurance, so there was no vests, uh, but we had a, what was it, five-hour time. You had to start your last lap at, uh, before the five-hour mark, and then you can take as long as you want on the fifth lap. Or the, I'm sorry, the fifth. After that, when you started the last lap, you take as long as you want. But what was interesting about it was it was actually mandatory completion ultra OCR, which I've never – I'm trying to think if I've – like. Conquer the Gauntlet has has ones you could actually uh, penalty out of. Has about like their four really hard upper body ones you can penalty out of. But frontline, there was no penalty. It was like, I mean, you had a band just like a normal elite wave. And if you couldn't do an obstacle, you gave up the band, and then you're ineligible for prizes, which made it really interesting. And um, yeah, well, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But you know, their obstacles are really good. And I know I was talking to several people who've been at frontline events before, and you know, the three people I talked to who have been to, I think they've all been to about three, somewhere between three and five of them, all said this year was the best year uh, that they've seen. So I know, you know, sometimes we go to an, like, especially a local OCR and uh, the course isn't marked well, or they're not, you're not happy with something, you know, I would say give brands like Frontline or, or brands that hold one event a year another chance if you, if you went to one a couple of years ago and you you were upset with something. But um, I thought the event went really smoothly. I thought the course was well marked. And I thought the obstacles were unique. So, Leah, tell us, tell us a little about some of the obstacles that you liked or didn't well, like, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, bouncing off of what you said, I went last year, too, and I did their, the Special Forces Division that year as well. I will say that this year did seem it was better. The course was marked better. And... I thought it was actually a little bit harder than it was last year. Last year was a great event because it was my first one and I wanted to go back after words anyway, but I thought this one trumped last year. And then last year I had a great experience there. 
So as far as obstacles, I like, like I've told you before, anything with like a, just gets my, my heart beating. And, and this one had two main ones. Well, I guess three, three main ones. And then the, the one they had Valkyrie, which was at OCR Worlds. Yeah, this was a, this was like a kind of like a mini Valkyrie. So it wasn't I don't, it wasn't quite as high as like the one in um, no uh, like Battle of Alliance or the one at Noram. But it was still I think it was like five rings up maybe, and then a T bar, and then five rings down ish. Yeah, it had like almost like that anchors away handle in the middle. Right. Now I will say with the weighted vest, I mean I. I train weighted pull-ups, so it doesn't intimidate me. But just doing that motion with the weighted vest, thinking about, like, falling is probably more intimidating than when I have – when you do it and it's higher and it has more rings. This one, just because you have more weight if you fall, it's like, ooh. Right, yeah. Uh, but So I, I always like that rig. And then the, the next kind of upper body one was this monkey bar one which was similar to totally not the same, but similar to sawtooth. If you ever do savage race that kind of goes, but this one goes flat and then incline decline flat. And that one was actually really funny. And for me, because there was one bar towards the end that moved when it shouldn't have moved. And there's (laughs) a photo. I have this look. It's like uh, my, my, Oh shit face. Uh, because I went to grab it. I grabbed it with one hand and it rolled, it rotated and rolled back on me when I totally was not expecting it. And the photographer got that exact moment on camera. It's a fabulous photo. The look of terror in my face. One of the things I really liked about that and one of their other upper body obstacles that was kind of like, kind of reminding me of Stairway to Heaven where like you used to flat boards and you kind of go up a couple of rungs and then you go across is they yeah. were all, because of the weighted vest, like everything was lower to the ground, right? So like you're not as high in the air as compared to some other races, uh, which makes sense, right? Because it's going to be safer if you have a little bit of a shorter fall. Um, so I, I, I thought that was, you know, clever and uh, kind of well done. Um, you know, but go ahead, keep going. Um, and then there are two signature ones by Race Ready Obstacles, yes. which were fabulous uh i have to hand it to them they did have the one was kraken which they had last year and they just slightly tweaked it this year they had a long rope in between it they have a long pvc so it it kind of jiggles or rotates because there's a solid pole between it and you traverse that with your almost like a like if you were a bear climbing up a tree, but you're climbing horizontally to the rope. And last year, instead of a rope, they had a little short hand grip. And then you went to the spinning Kraken twister element. And I mean, I love that one um, because it's, there's an element of body awareness, upper body strength, confidence and coordination when you move on that thing you kind of want to have an idea of what you're going to do otherwise you are going to panic and you're moving out of survival (laughs) and sometimes that 
thing will rotate based on how you're feeling. So if you're panicking, it's going to go faster and you might not be expecting it to turn as fast and it could shake you off. Yeah, um, for so pe- if people that. don't know what we're talking about, it kind of looks like a segment of Twister, but instead of having handles, essentially nunchucks sticking out of the side, right? So it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a straight pipe down the middle and then there's like essentially nunchucks sticking out in all directions. Um, uh, with like really- that looks so cool. With little knobs, yeah, and and as you move, like obviously as you put weight on the next one, it'll rotate, right? So, um, need a good grip, and uh, I'll tell you my story about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, tell us about the other. Oh, go go ahead, Ashley. Oh no, I was just saying it looked so cool. I like when I saw everybody's photos. I was like, man, that's an obstacle I want to try. Yeah. It, Not with the best. <laughs> <laughs> No nope. best it's best or endurance if you wanna if you wanna run the competitive portion. So those are your two options. Now, then well, I'll, I'll they leave. actually have a competitive one that is no vest. Do they really? Yeah. No no woman finished that one. Oh interesting. This year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have the best option, the non best option, open, and then the endurance one that you did. Gotcha. Maybe I'll have to put that on the bucket list for yeah, next th- year. I think the no best option. I think we need to bring the whole uh, CTG team out there and and run that race. Give it I, a think, go. I think people would really enjoy it. Yeah, make All them right. do the weird best one. <laughs> and then tell <laughs> us about the other uh, race ready obstacle. Well, for all, last thing about the Kraken one is that what also made it difficult on the twisted part is that the different spokes were different lengths. They were uh, not yep, on the same yeah. length. And then the other one, Vest Collector. Now, that one was significantly harder compared to last year. In co- it just in comparison. I loved it. But if, if I was to say the biggest difference between them is the other one was, I, I did not think the other one was a Vest Collector. This one was definitely a Vest Collector this year. And it started out with a hose traverse. So it was a fire hose tied onto a post, tied onto another post. And you had to, it's like a tyrolene traverse. Yep. You could be on top or you could be on the bottom and you're just using your arms and your legs to go from point A to point B. And when you get to point B, it, it pretty much turns into a low rig. So there are several different grips. I don't think any of the grips repeated themselves except for maybe a short little rope. And anyone who was tall, this was definitely going to be challenging. It was extremely close to the ground. Yeah. So trying to get any momentum going, you had to make it happen from start to finish. Because if you stopped in the middle, you couldn't swing your legs anywhere to get any momentum. And I thought that one was amazing i thought it was better than the kraken actually even though a lot of people struggled on the kraken i thought this one was my favorite race ready one that i've seen yeah it was well designed and it was uh it was challenging i was actually um during endurance i was surprised that i didn't see more people stuck at at that one because it was um yeah it, it was it was hard you know there was a uh, thick rope uh there was a ring there was a t-bar handle there was a kind of like the twirly bird ropes there was a ball there was a short rope and there was a tiny nunchuck at the end which i skipped mm. 
every time. So I was like, I was like, hell no. Yeah, it was like slick. That thing was so slick. Um, but yeah, and then the the other obstacle, which I thought was actually surprisingly hard, was um, I don't know what you call it, lumberjack or hammer time, is what I call it. Basically, a sledgehammer. You hit a a block of wood down and back, but it wasn't like the one at Conquer the Gauntlet is pretty. The one they used to have was pretty slick. This one. I mean, I was like laying into this thing. It moves like an inch. You're like, come on. Um, yep. So I was like, I mean, on the first lap, I, you know, I, I did that. And then you basically run around a short air, a little area right into Kraken. And I remember my arms were, um, I mean, I could feel it in my arms going into Kraken on that one, on the first lap. Then I took, I took my, took a little more time on the, on the additional laps. But, you know, the front line, what's cool about front line is so they honor a different uh, first responder at every event. So this is, this one's called the sixth wave um, it's run Memorial Day weekend every year, so they've already got 2022's uh, date and schedule up, and you can sign up now if you want. And uh, this year was kind of U.S. military themed. In the past, they've done like firefighter and police and EMS, and I think uh, military before that also. So, so my date for those people who are li- people listening that may not know, my day job right is an Army uh, Special Forces officer. So whenever I hear something is military themed, like I roll my eyes a little bit. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, like it's it's always over the top and it's always it's always too much. It's like, all right, no one actually acts like this. This is, you know, like it, it's it's a caricature of like uh, what people actually behave like. But when I showed up to Frontline, it was it was well done. I mean, it was classy. They did like the opening ceremony uh, with the color guard and they had actually members of the military there. And it was, it was really respectful and um, I enjoyed it. Uh, usually I don't like the theme, um, but for, I, you know, for this one, I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit. It was uh, the race director or race owner, Ed uh, just did a very good job and he's, he's got a background in law enforcement also. So um, I think that's why, cause he's, he's actually part of that community. Um, so he, he understands when it's like cheesy and when it's uh, when it's appropriately themed. But I also liked, you know, you mentioned on the the vest collector, they had a fire hose. There was a couple of obstacles like that where they incorporated something from like the first responder theme where like, you know, whether it was like the the obstacle that was basically like a bunch of fire hoses hanging down, you had to like traverse them or they had, um, mm-hmm. instead of like, they had a double ammo can carry, which wasn't super heavy. Uh, but, you know, again, it was kind of in theme and uh, kind of appropriate. And then obviously the vests are very in theme of, uh, their whole first responder kind of image there. So, yeah. And then uh, what were your prizes? Uh, you you won the, I don't know if we mentioned that, you won the uh, the Special Forces Wave. So what, what did you win as a prize? I won, oh, goodness. I won a Condor, Condor bag. Like it was the, uh, a side satchel, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, and then I won their bangerang, their protein cupcakes. They were protein cups that could be turned into pudding, lava cake, or a cupcake through the microwave. You just add either water or milk. And they actually look pretty good. I haven't tried one yet, and they have different flavors. There's a s'mores one that I'm like itching to try. Uh, that I've seen in my bag. I have, I can't say I've unpacked yet. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. <laughs> uh, especially because I'm going away to a race this weekend. So I'm like, ah, pretty much most things are just going to stay there. Um, and then I got a, a grip. So like I said, I got the bangerang cupcakes, containers, 
the Bangarang shirt, the condor bag, and inside the condor bag was a grip sling, raw thread. I think it's a short uh, grip handle, pretty much like a, a tougher washcloth almost. Not a washcloth, but like a, pretty much it just hangs down and it's a grip thing. And then yeah, I got. It's like a. It's like a rope. It's like it would be like a. What would you use as like a rope or a nunchuck training, right? So you're you're hanging off of this. Piece yeah, of fabric. with the flexibility of a towel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then some mud gear socks, and another cool condor bag. That is one is camo, and then the other one is an aviator bag. So it has more pockets and some other elements. Yeah, so a lot of swag, some cool swag and and this really cool plate. The plate was awesome it, and it was blue and there were different colors for first, second, and third for the men because the women, we didn't have any second or third because it, yeah. it didn't w- have any other ones finished. And but we we say so hard. When we say plate, them. yeah. When you say plate, you mean the plate that goes inside the the your plate carrier, your actual like body armor. So it's like the shape no. of the body armor. It's not it's like the a, shape of the body armor, yes, yes. but not, not like, that weight or that yeah. size. It almost looks no, like no. I thought you were plate. like eating off it. I like know that's why I clarified. dinner plate. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is weird. It's Never like, heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I clarified because I, I was like. I, when I when you say plate, I I think of body armor plate, but I know most people are thinking dinner plate. So. Oh, yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I totally was not thinking of a. I, I, maybe a slate is a better word. Slate. Nah, I mean it's because they're called plates is like the <laughs> appropriate term. So that's that's right. So uh, real quick story. So I was running the endurance. I've been I've been this season. I've been kind of racing my way back into shape. Uh, this is kind of like just signing up for a lot of events to use it as a kind of as, as my part of my training as part of my build up. So I came in and I was running the endurance and sitting in third coming into the end of lap three and where I was going to have time for four laps and I got to cracking and basically the first two laps I muscled my way across and then the third lap um, after 18 miles and all the other obstacles I could not muscle my way across anymore. So I got stuck there and, uh, you know, failing repeatedly. I was there for probably 40 minutes and I've got about 15 minutes left before I run out of time to start another lap. And uh, Jason Rulo, creator of the Neptune, uh, comes up, makes it across. And then he's like, I'm going to get a drink, come back. He's like, I'll tell you, he's like, and then we'll stick around until you get across or until I have to leave basically. So uh, big shout out to him because he was giving me some tips. And uh, I ended up doing what's kind of pissed me off personally is like i ended up getting across it the same way i get across every other upper body obstacle which is moving sideways and matching hands so every time i grab a hold i put both hands on it and i make take a lot of like uh take a lot of movements and um versus on the first couple of laps i was basically going like straight forward and kind of reaching uh for the crack and bar thing um so i ended up going sideways made it across i mean I, like i said i've been there for 40 minutes so my grip's completely blown out and we decided to go for a fourth lap anyway. And uh, we made it around. We got to the vest collector, the low rig there. And now Jason can't get across. So we're, st- we're stuck there for probably, yeah. And he just spent, you know, 
20, 30 minutes hanging out with me. And I'm like, well, I can't leave him on the course. So I stuck with him for another 30 minutes. And then we made it to the Kraken again uh, eventually because he made it across. And then uh, we got the Kraken. I made it across first time on the lap four, which, uh, again, shows you technique matters because my grip was completely shot. There's no way I should have gotten across that on the final lap. And then uh, he got stuck there. I had to go to, I had, at this point, my, my wife's like, we, we need to leave. I was like, okay, because we've been there several hours past where we should have been. And uh, so I, I left him, but he had some good company there, and he eventually got across. I think it was around 5.40 p.m. at night. But uh, I, I, give a, I give him a lot of credit. He's like, he's like I'm not giving up my band. He's like, I've never given up my band. I'm not starting today. And I was like, you're better man than I, Jason. I was like, I was <laughs> I was, I was about ready to call it at that point, but, uh, so huge shout out to him and I definitely appreciate all, all the help he gave. Uh, we're going to start wrapping things up now. Um, so before we go, uh, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. We'll start off with Aaliyah. What do you so got? Something people would be surprised to know about me is that I actually do a lot of baking and I've competed in a baking competition. <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, and I actually got first place at the first and only baking competition I did. I made a chocolate. It was a gluten-free, dairy-free cake. It was chocolate cake. It was chocolate almond icing that I made with raspberry compote on, in the middle and raspberries on top. And nice. yeah. dancing. Dang. She's just it? winning everything out there. <laughs> just multi-sport. This is the epitome of multi-sport athlete here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't even have anything to share because I can't live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You you nice. got something actually. Uh Ashley's been on. I don't know if Ashley's got anything good left. I've I've brought her on a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel like I've already bared my soul in like stories that oh she yeah just <laughs> you, you don't have to share another one but anyone listening needs to go back to the last ashley episode and listen to the wendy story because it is my favorite piece of recorded podcast and um, content we have i laughed so hard while re- recording it and then i laughed again while editing it <laughs> and then i laughed again when i listened to the own production like i'm talking tears so just go back and listen to Ashley's Wendy story on the last episode she was on. I think it was me, you, and Brenna. I think we were, we were yeah, three. and the more you laugh, the more I die inside that I actually <laughs> said it out loud, and it's been, like, captured forever. Yeah. So, um, and then I'll connect to Leah. I think I've, I don't know. I can't even remember what I've used and what I haven't used. But uh, my wife's actually a pastry chef, like a certified pastry chef, so she can make literally anything. And as an athlete, I don't eat very many pastries. So, um, I don't make, there's not many pastry making in my house, even though, uh, my wife can pretty much make anything. So, um, but yeah, I made banana bread during the pandemic and I got really good at it. And since we're talking baking, I'll let you guys know I made one yesterday. Ooh. So <laughs> I didn't win a contest, but my kids will eat it. So I count that as a win. <laughs> that is a pretty big win. <laughs> that, is a, that is a, that is a big, huge win. Our, I'll take it. Before we get going, uh, Leah, any uh, people you want to thank? Oh, friends, family, sponsors, etc. Yeah, well, first off, Strong as Oak, my uh, bread and butter main team, Phoenix Race OCR, 
uh, Force Five because I have a lot of their grip stuff. And yeah, anyone love them. who wants grips, if you use, well, you, you need to have to spell my name, but a uh, code Aaliyah ten gets you ten percent off. Definitely worth it because they got some awesome, awesome stuff. And and you guys, thanks so much for having me, and it was it was a pleasure. Yeah. Real quick question before we go. I got to ask, because uh, I saw your jersey. It says hoops, which I'm assuming is a reference to your earrings, which I have to ask about because it was like the first thing I noticed. I was like, this girl has some giant hoop earrings on <laughs> and is <he's> <laughs> running in them. So like what, I guess just what, it's just a personal style choice. What's the, uh, is there a story there or you just like hoop earrings? Uh, you know, it would be more exciting if I had a story, but I, I do not. I just, these are the earrings that I wear on my day in my daily life. And I hate sports that make me take out my earrings. <laughs> and so, Hey, I don't got to take these out. And I just, I just run, I just run in them. Yeah. And that it became a thing where people would actually call me hoops. I was at a race last year, war X it's in Ohio. Great race. And the group I was in, we got, we're doing this night event. We were paired with a whole bunch of random people and we were coming up with, oh, well, we're not all going to remember each other's names. Let's pick a characteristic or something. And the one woman, her name is Pink because she was wearing pink shorts. And she was like, you care if I call you hoops? You got them hoop earrings. I was like, nah, go for it. <laughs> and then at another race, someone was like, yeah, go hoops. And they don't know each other. And so then that, nickname kind of just stuck nice and so, you know yep and the you will always see me in my hoop earrings the one there's only been one race where i lost one and i knew when i lost it it was my first north america championship and i ended up <laughs> i made hoop earrings out of safety pins nice <laughs> And that's how I met uh, one of the race directors of uh, NORAM or WOCR because I was just taking their safety pins to make hearings <laughs> just to go on the podium. because like, I feel naked without you. <laughs> that's great. Ashley, any, uh, any people you need to give a shout out to before we go? Yeah, of course. Uh, shout out to Conquer the Gauntlet. Um, you know, member of the pro team for years and years. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, 10th anniversary event this year. And then also a shout out to OCR Overload um, and their support for putting a team together for Hildervat um, coming up. So thank you very much. Awesome. And uh, for our listeners, head over to teamstrengthspeed.com. I just reorganized and redesigned some parts of the website. Some of it was getting kind of cluttered. So I just kind of shifted around and added some new pages there. Um, we also just got another order of Blegment lights in. So Blegment lights, I have all sizes, small, medium, and large. And this will be the last kind of order I made, or that's the only order I'm making for 2021. So if you need them for toughest motor, world's toughest motor, Spartan Ultra Beast, cold weather racing, et cetera, um, we now have all sizes in stock and then I still have the, all the sizes and the extremes in stock, but again, those are starting to run low. Uh, like I said, the lights just new order came in and that my books are available off the teamstrengthspeed.com website, or if you go to Amazon and just search my name, if you haven't seen the Mudgear commercial, go check out Mudgear made tougher. It's 
It's on their Facebook page, or you can actually look at their YouTube page. And I think it might actually be on their website, or there's probably a link to it on their website. I think it is. Uh, check out the Aurora Wear page, the Heated Apparel page. Uh, I think Randy Lackey is currently up on there. I was up there about a month ago. Their actual web, website, aurorawear.com. Uh, that's the heated jackets and vests and stuff you've seen some of us wearing over the last couple of weeks. And then if you haven't seen um, my fight scene that is on Bobby Ross's YouTube channel, go watch. Go over to Bobby Ross's YouTube channel. Again, I'll drop a link. Uh, he has like a it's like a 14-minute video talking about uh, why they screwed up Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, but embedded in there at the 5 minute 20 second mark, there's a 3 minute fight scene. It's got super cheesy dialogue. It was just a lot of fun to shoot. And we are we do have an episode coming up probably at the end of next maybe next month. Um, where I actually me and the the MMA fighter we were, uh, did the choreographed fight scene with are coming on and we'll we'll talk through some of the making of that. So just kind of a really fun experience. Uh, go check that out. I think that's about it. And then I'll see Aaliyah this weekend at Battle of the Lions and hopefully see some of you at Battle of the Lions. And then if anyone wants to double down, uh, Casey Timber Challenge on Sunday. There's another event. Um, that that one's not competitive, but it's women only or men in drag. Uh, literally down the road from the Battle of the Lions event. So. Uh, or there's also Modus Ninjas is doing a, a ninja competition kind of in their in their gym on Sunday. And Ooh, we're also doing a – after the Elite Wave, we're doing a little competition uh, brought to you by Modus at Battle of the Lions. So it'll be something small. Uh, it'll use one of the Battle of the Lions obstacles. It'll kind of be like a you know, free event to enter. Uh, there'll be some prizes, some Modus, uh, probably entries or uh, some of their merch. So – Lots of good stuff coming out. I'm dropping a bunch of links in the bio. We're running out of time. I'm going to get going. Thanks, Aaliyah and Ashley, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all. Awesome.